0: Startup Nation, I am a huge fan of phrases like 10x, multiple streams of income, and scale the business fast. I mean, I'm a capitalist. I totally get it. However, as entrepreneurs, when we only focus on these measures, we start to create something that may be very profitable, but a toxic place to work. Sure, you're generating revenue now, but without a great culture, your company may not stand the test of time. For instance, I would never say Uber is a terrible place to work, but the company culture there, as it relates to mostly being about profitability and scaling, has led to not only a terrible culture, but one that does not seem to appreciate the value or opinions of his women employees and execs, which is why it was a good idea for Travis Kalanick to resign as CEO. My name is Dominic Lawson, and this is The Startup Life. Let's begin. Seven, six, five, 4, you You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this is you crazy mother... Fast forward and now it's here. Our first line of gear for The Startup Life is now available. Now you're able to tell the world not only do you support the show, but the type of entrepreneur that you are. Choose between the label yourself, create your own destiny, and how to make money t-shirts to help tell the story of your path of entrepreneurship. Click the link in the show notes to purchase. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're ready to receive some value today. With the recent news of Uber and, and the change of Travis Kalinick being ousted as CEO and all the other issues at Uber, I thought it was important to create an episode or to have an episode, if you will, about company culture because company culture can really kill your business. And as an entrepreneur, you need to be mindful of the type of culture that you build for your company as it relates to employees and things of that nature. So, In this episode, in the first segment, we're going to Focus on uh, how to build a company culture. You want people to be able to, you know, be themselves, be comfortable. I mean, true enough, there are times where you're going to have to, you know, lay down the law, put your foot down, things of that nature. But understand that if you don't have a great company culture, you know, your your business will go down the two. Very much so. Then we'll take a break. And then the second half of the show, like I said, when it comes to Uber and this blatant disrespect for gender equality, I think we're going to talk about a little bit about how to promote gender equality in the workplace. And if you are uh, a young lady or woman in the workplace, how you can try to shut down sexism uh, in a company, you know, so that way you won't feel uncomfortable because you do have power. You do have the power to, you know, do something about it. Startup Nation, I hope you're ready to receive some value today. And, hey, let's take flight. Startup Nation, the first thing you want to do when building a company culture is hire people that fit not only, you know, your core values or what you're trying to do, but that kind of fits, you know, your product or service, if you will. Let me give you an example. So let's say you're a law firm, something that's like kind of serious and, you know, you know, very stoic and stern, if you will. Right. I mean, it may not be a great idea to have, you know, people at work wearing flamingo shirts at all the time or wearing shorts or anything like that. You know, I know that's kind of very deep in (laughs) on the far end of the spectrum, but if I were to go to a, a law firm and see flamingo shirts and shorts and sandals, I wouldn't take that law firm serious. Right? So in my mind it wouldn't be credible. So you want to hire people who understand that in your business that like, you know, you have a company culture in order to boost morale which ultimately boosts sales and revenue, things of that nature, but more so uh, boosts morale among you know your your teammates or your employees, if you will. Because believe it or not, the number one asset in any business is not money, it's not the building, it's not any of that. It's the people that you hire. It's the people that work around you. The number one asset in your business are the people that surround it that surround the business or are in the business itself. Another thing you want to remember startup nation is to make sure that your employees, you know, from yourself, you know, all the way down to the bottom, make sure that everybody understands the values and the mission of the company. Okay? Because the thing is, especially with the millennial generation, they want to know that what they do matters. Their little small piece of the pile, their little cog that they are uh, in charge of, if you will, matters to the overall success of the company, because that's how when, 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 when we don't communicate that uh, down the, the chain of command as entrepreneurs, people start to feel not just disenchanted. They start to feel taken for granted. Right. So you have to have that transparency, that open communication to always let them know, like, hey, what you do matters. And this is why it matters, right? Let's say you're uh, mass-producing donuts, okay? And you feel like each donut is supposed to have a certain amount of sprinkles or something like that, right? If they feel like they can take a playoff or not put as many sprinkles on this donut as opposed to the last one, after a while, the quality of your product is going to diminish. And your customers are going to feel that. And which ultimately... You know, you know how the marketplace is, you know, not to say anything bad about the marketplace, but the marketplace is fickle. They will punish you for that. So making sure that everybody understands the value, understands that they have value, but understand the mission and the goal of the company is very important when building company culture because cohesiveness is everything. My my high school baseball coach used to preach this all the time. Work as a cohesive unit. And when your employees know the values and the missions of the company, you work as a cohesive unit. Also know that when you are, you know, running your company, Entrepreneurs and Startup Nation, understand that a good idea or a good decision can come from anywhere, right? It can come from you, it can come from your second in command, it can come from the janitor. There's this story, and I can't remember his name, at the frito Lake. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. At the Frito Lake company a while back, they were trying to come up with a new idea. This, that, and the other. So they put a filler out there to say, like, "Hey, you know, we want to welcome any new ideas, any new whatever, right?" And the janitor at the time, notice I said at the time, he was not uh, English speaking. And originally, I believe he came from, I want to say Mexico, but at the very least some Spanish speaking company. So English was not his very his first language. And so he saw this. And you know he started you know tinkering with some stuff. This had you know tinkering with some ideas, wrote some stuff down, tried something, some things didn't work, some things somewhat worked. And so long story short, he presents this idea of the, of the Flaming Hot Cheeto. I don't need to tell you that, that they're very popular chips. And so understanding that in your organization, in your company, in your in your business, that a decision can come from anywhere, and letting your employees know that, or team members know, uh, that a decision or, uh, an idea can come from anywhere. Once again, goes back to that second point I just made that like, it lets them know that they're valued and what they say matters, what they do matters. And notice, you may notice how I try to refrain from saying employees and try to say something like team members or, uh, at the very least coworkers or something like that is because that's another tactic that you can use in your business as an entrepreneur to let people know that like, you know, you're not just an employee. Right. And so because words matter in this day and age, we all know that words matter. Right. And so letting them know that they're a team member as opposed to an employee lets them know like, you know, we're on the same team. Right. I may be the head coach, maybe the point guard, this, that, and the other, But we're all on the same team here, right? So that helps them to not only build a great company culture, but it helps them to buy into that culture as well. Startup Nation, also know that we always talk about OPM in entrepreneurship, right? Which usually refers to other people's money, but it also refers to other people's methods, right? So if you're a first-time founder and you're in that startup phase and you're just trying to get your business off the ground and you're trying to build that great company culture learn from the past, right? And implement some of those things in your business that you learned from corporate America because we all know a lot of people who start as entrepreneurs, they you know, they come from corporate America. You remember how you felt when they had that new policy and how it made you felt? You remember how when they implemented, you know, uh, a new code of conduct and you thought it was a good idea, bad idea, indifferent. Embrace those experiences. Learn from those experiences, right? Or try to recall those experiences in your business. Now, remember, there's OSHA standards uh, that you have to adhere to when you're talking about your company policy, this, that, and the other, uh, because those are federal regulations. You can't, you know, no matter how creative or idealistic you want to be, you cannot go against those. But remember some of those things that you learn from corporate America uh, that you can implement in your business And that will really get you a few steps further than you could have, as opposed to just starting from scratch. Also, remember that you don't want to hire when building a company culture, you don't want to hire a bunch of yes men. Not look, I get it. We all like our egos stroked. Okay. It's a good feeling when somebody says, Man, you're dope. That was smart. That's an excellent idea, right? But in building a company culture, It's important to have people who not just compliment you, but compliment you in the sense of like they are willing to disagree with. Like think of it like a puzzle piece, two puzzle pieces that look exactly the same don't fit. And so when you're building your team and you're building uh, your company culture with your employees, remember that. There's this book by Doris Kearns Goodwin called Team of Rivals. It's actually a book that President Obama read before he entered the Oval Office. So basically, it's a book that Doris Kearns Goodwin wrote about Abraham Lincoln when he entered the Oval Office and how he, in order to build his cabinet, brought on people who disagreed with him on a regular basis. Because the thing is, as entrepreneurs, startup nation, only having yes men and only having people who are willing to agree with you every single time, that doesn't spark creativity. That doesn't spark innovation. And ultimately, that doesn't spark growth and scalability in the business. Because the thing is, is like friction is a good thing. Competition is a good thing. And as entrepreneurs, you need to embrace that. We have to embrace that friction, that conflict. Because it's only through that is where the growth actually comes from and the innovation and moving the company forward comes from. So just remember that it's great to have people who are willing to stroke your ego, but it's it's very important to understand that people who compliment you not only do that, but they also are willing to disagree with you and challenge your decisions as well. Also, Startup Nation, remember that to get people to, to buy in, you got to communicate, right? But it's very important to get people to buy in into the company culture, which means it's up to you to inspire them. Now, granted, it doesn't have to be you personally to inspire them because you may not be charismatic that may not be your thing you may be the the analytical mind the the you know numbers guy or this and the other right and that may be your claim to fame and that's fine but it goes back to the previous point about finding people who compliment you this is where that person that you know you hired or you know your right-hand man right-hand person to bring on compliments you and they're the charismatic person they're the one who can get people riled up. Like if you're Mel Gibson from Braveheart, right? Like one of those rallying cries right before you go into battle. Like you don't have to be that person, but you can hire that person. It always goes back to a previous episode where we talk about hiring your weakness, right? If if your thing is not the one, one of like inspiring people, then that's okay. That's totally fine. But you may want to make sure you have somebody who's willing to be able to bring people to the other side. So that way they can buy into your great company culture that you built, and so that company culture can move along, you know, humming like a fine-tuned machine. Startup Nation is also important to know, and I know it is probably going to seem, you know, like redundant, right, or like a duh moment, if you will. But you got to work as a team. Like we we talked earlier about how uh, I try to refrain from using employees and try to use like team member. Or teammate or co worker at the very least. Because the thing is, is like when you do not work as a team and you only focus on employees or you only focus on department, that person will only feel like, as long as my department is okay, then I don't have to worry about anything else. And that's not true. Because the thing is, is that you don't wanna be thinking as far as like departments and this, that, and the other, right? Because you can have a situation in your business where department A, can be too productive and it can hurt department B. So, understanding that, you know, yes, in department A, if we're overproductive, we may can probably take a few days off or something like that, which is very unlikely in most businesses. But if you have that mindset where you're only thinking about your department or your little space and it hurts department B, then ultimately the company is hurting long term. And that's never a good thing. So, being able to work as a team is extremely important when we're talking about company culture and moving forward and scalability. Another thing you want to consider is to maintain and be willing to evolve your company culture. We often talk about, you know, you heard me earlier talk about millennials and, um, and how they look at the world, how they see their work, this, that, and the other. The thing is, those companies, the cokes. Uh, the the Nikes and everybody else, the big Fortune 500 companies, those companies are still here because they're able to evolve with the time. If you have millennials in the workforce and you still have Generation X in the workforce, you can't treat them the same. And then you have Generation Z Coming into the workforce slowly but surely. Most of them are still in high school, a lot of them are in college. There's a few of them are starting to trickle into the workplace, right? And so they have, for the most part, different learning capabilities because the education system that Gay came through is a lot different than the one the generation X came through. For example, um, they don't really teach cursive writing in schools anymore. So, you know, that's just one of those things that you have to take into account. You have to be willing to be not be so rigid. In your company culture, to allow it to breathe, allow it to evolve, allow it to change with the times. Because if you don't, you'll stick, you'll stay in 1980, or you'll stay in 1990, or you'll stay in the 2000s. And as soon as 2020 comes around, your company won't be there to see it. Last but not least, before we go into break, in your company culture, be willing to have some fun, okay? Nobody wants to come to your to your place of business on a Monday morning and it's all drab and I hate Mondays and blah blah I don't want to come to work I'd just rather quit than just come to work today that speaks to a terrible company culture okay now granted you may think that that employee was not just, was not is not motivated enough and you may think it's just all on the employee and to a certain extent there is some culpability on their end but ultimately if it's your job, that they're, if it's your business that they're trying to come to, come to work at and it's their job at your company, then ultimately you have responsibility in that. It, it is, it, that is your issue that they feel that they don't want to come to work that day. Because the company culture, not necessarily because, you know, like I said, there's a time and place for everything. There's a time and place to work and there's a time and place to have some fun. But be willing to have some fun, okay? Because we have a lot of entrepreneurs out there who who say that, right? It's a time for this, it's a time for that, but they only focus on the work part. Like, it's a time for work, and so it's always work. Like, it's always a time for work, right? We talk about in education all the time how the new buzzword is college and career ready, but the only thing they really focus on is the college part, right? So understand that it's okay to have a little fun at work. Have a pizza day, have a donut day, have a founder's day, if you will. Have a department A day, a department B day. You know, mix it up a bit. Have, Just be willing to have fun in your business because you don't want a mass exodus on a Monday because you decide to have terrible company culture. So that's going to do it for this segment. We're going to take a quick break. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson, and this is The Startup Life. <laughs> If you are a teacher looking for great resources, look no further than Owl's e-commerce store on Teachers Pay Teachers, the store name Teaching with Owl's. Enjoy great lessons based on short stories from great authors such as Kate Chopin's The Story of an Hour and Edgar Allan Poe's The Mask of the Red Death. And no worries, teachers. All lessons are Core aligned. Welcome back, Startup Nation. So let's continue. Before I continue with this segment of the show, I want to preface it by saying something. Al's our parent company for the startup life, is a female-owned, minority-owned company. It's owned by my wife. She owns the majority of it. I'm the minority owner, but she's the majority owner, okay? And so this issue hits a little home for me, not just because of what I just described, but also because I have two daughters as well, okay? And so sexism in the workplace is... Is, it's intolerable for me, okay? It should be intolerable for most, hell, it should be intolerable for all, but unfortunately, it is not. When we hear the stories that are coming out of Uber, uh, and not just Uber, but Silicon Valley and other places as well, it's it's a bit mind-numbing, if you will, that in 2017, we still have this issue, I mean, I I thought we left the Mad Men era years ago, but apparently we have not. And so, like I said, this is an issue for me that's near and dear. Because in building a business, you have to understand that diversity is very important. Not just diversity as far as like men, women, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, this, that, and the other but diversity of thought. And so even if you had a diverse, you know, board or a diverse organization or the diverse company that's, you know, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, Native American, wherever the case may be. And they're all men, believe it or not. Yes, there's going to be diversity of thought, but all those thoughts are going to be somewhat similar because they're all men. And as an entrepreneur who's trying to build a company, if you have, it's, it's important to have all trains of thought. And so women can bring a new value, a new f- fresh set of ideas, a new aspect to your company that, you know, that can really propel you, not just you know, presently, but moving forward. I mean, hell, let's be honest. Women are smarter than us. And they are more mentally tough. You may, you know, we hear a lot of sexist ideas out there as far as like a woman can't be head of state or a woman, you know, what would they do? they would be all emotional. This, that, and the other, right? Believe it or not, when it comes to men, men usually take a lot longer to be introspective, to figure out what they did wrong, what they did right, or this, that, and the other. Women, it really doesn't take them that long. And when you're talking about scaling the business, that can be an advantage. It truly can. And keep in mind, I'm an African-American male. And I'm starting to question if sexism is a bigger issue than racism. And I might be able to make the case that sexism is a bigger issue than racism. So as we move forward in this segment, I wanted you to know the, the motivation behind it. Okay, Startup Nation? So let's dive in, shall we? Startup Nation The first thing as we engage in entrepreneurship and we build our business in trying to combat sexism in the workplace is to understand and establish that there is a such thing as male privilege. I know we talk about white privilege and this, that, and the other when we're talking about racism, this, that, and the other, but understand that there is a such thing as male privilege. And so a lot of times in the workplace and as we build our business, we don't, see as men, we don't see sexism when it's reported or when it's brought up or whatever the case may be. That is because it's kind of hard for you to see it when you're not the victim of it. So you need to understand that male privilege exists and that there are certain things and phrases and words that you just shouldn't use or jokes for that matter. Believe it or not, during the the civil rights movement, the irony of it all was that even though we were, you know, there was a push for social justice for African Americans, even within that movement, sexism took place, right? Because, you know, certain women were kind of, you know, pushed to the back, which is, you know, which is crazy to think about but it's true. One of the steps you need to take in trying to combat sexism in your business is to understand that male privilege is a thing and it does exist. Even though it's unbeknownst to you and you don't even realize that you're doing it because the thing is is that anybody who is part of a group that has a certain uh, dominance over another group has privilege. They just do. And so you need to understand That first and foremost, in order to combat it, because if you don't accept that, then, you know, you're going to continue to have issues like Uber and issues like we have in Silicon Valley of people being very sexist towards women, dismissing women and things of that nature. So the first thing you need to understand that male privilege does exist. Also, understand that, you know, women are allowed to have different emotions. And I say that because a lot of times we as men, we go up to women and tell them you should smile more or why aren't you smiling? The thing is, is that women are human beings, which means they are allowed to have other emotions besides just being happy all the time. They're not separate wives. They're not robots. They're human. So if they're, if they're having a bad day, let them have a bad day. If they're having something that you know that's going on and, and it doesn't you know and it's something that's the the antithesis of smiling let them have that because the thing is that you have bad days and when you run around huffing and gruffing and moaning nobody tells you to smile nobody tells us it's meant to smile like you should smile more and so understand that like if if somebody if a, if a woman comes up to you and they say that hey I don't appreciate you saying I should smile more that I should smile or something like that listen and understand okay because a lot of times as men we don't under, we don't realize that we're doing something and it's very offensive to women the reason I bring up the thing about smiling because I made a comment to my wife and I was just saying like I I didn't know that was a thing. And I was clearly, and I was taking a task for it. I don't remember exactly what I said, but I was taking a task for it. And so understand that, you know, women have a range of emotions. And believe it or not, this commentary speaks to what I was saying earlier, that they're mentally, more mentally tough than we are. Because a lot of times when men tell them to smile and if that man is in a, you know, in like a manager or supervisory position, Sometimes the woman, you know, doesn't want to you know, feel like they're in a position to lose their job. So they do smile, even though it can be a tons of millions of things going on at home, at work, on the way to work, that it doesn't really warrant smiling. So be, be willing to understand that certain things like that can't come off as offensive. And if somebody brings that up to you, be willing to listen. Another thing to understand, guys, is that. We need to understand not to give certain tasks to women all the time. What do I mean by that? What I'm saying is that let's say you all you have lunch meetings or this, that and the other. Don't have the female execs or the female, you know, team members in your organization always the one to go and get lunch, always the one to go and get coffee. Because those are those like domestic type things that can be seen as very sexist. Like why would you only ask Joan to do this every time? Why are you only asking, you know, Melissa to do this every single time, even though she's the VP of sales, but you're having her go and get coffee all the time. I mean, you can, you know, once again, when you have a certain privilege, like male privilege, you have to understand that even though to you, it may not seem like a big deal, but to them, it's is a slap in the face. Now, granted, if you're all doing it and it's like a rotation thing, is that That's fine. But if you're always asking Joan to go get coffee and you're always asking Melissa to go get lunch, that's a problem because internally, what you're saying is that's all you see them as. You don't see them as VP of Sales. You don't see them as Chief Technology Officer or something like that, if you will. You see them as the person who goes to get coffee, and so that's a a respect factor that needs to be established, even if it's. Unbeknownst to you, we can't have those instances in the workplace because you can lose great talent that way and everybody needs great talent. Let's just make sure that, you know, we don't give uh, exclusively give uh, those type of domestic tasks to our female team members in our business, in our workplace. Also, another thing we need to do as entrepreneurs is to, you know, in order to have a more inviting workplace for women is that we need to be proactive. Okay. If you're a male and you see another male making a joke or making a certain gesture, even if a woman isn't, in, isn't around, you need to at least say something and be like, man, that's not cool. Come on. Like, what if Joan came ra- around here and she saw that? Like, you know, you can be not only could, you know, it's offensive. I mean, that's just the human part of it. But from a professional standpoint, you get some serious trouble, right? Because, like, sexual harassment is a real thing. And so it's like somebody perceives it as, you know, as harassing, then that person could easily be fired. Okay, so be proactive when in, in, in trying to stamp out sexism. Be proactive, in being able to defend a team member if they're a victim of sexism. So if you're a woman in the workplace and you're trying to figure out how can you stop these certain things from happening—certain sexist remarks, certain sexist undertones of you know being you know tasked with domestic tasks, whatever the case may be—I have a few ideas that you may want to consider. The first thing is uh, a certain gesture, or a phrase is said or something like that ask that person if they would be willing to say that you know if you weren't in the room or would they would they say that if you were a guy right because if the case is if they if they weren't willing to say that you know and you were a guy nine times out of ten they're going to feel flustered, they're going to be embarrassed and so you're probably going to be able to nip it in the bud really soon another thing to consider is to you know try to have a sit-down. Try to have a talk in in private. What you should not do is try to do it out in the open. If your goal is to embarrass them, then you would do it out in the open, which is honestly not a good idea. But if your goal is to organically and genuinely get them to understand that what they said was not cool or it was offensive, do it in private. People are a little bit more receptive to like a private sit-down meeting uh, in order to get your point across, another thing you can do is that if they make a joke, don't laugh. Because the thing is, like all comedians, you know, they live for the punchline. So if there's, you know, if the punchline doesn't land, then it's ineffective. So it's like if they're making that joke and nobody laughs, then you're essentially kind of nipping it in the bud a little bit as well. So don't laugh at the joke. Or at the very least, have them repeat the joke. Just one of those situations, like, you know, I didn't catch that. Why don't you say that again? And nine times out of 10, If they know it's a sexist remark, they're not going to repeat it. They're just not. They're not going to repeat it because they're already embarrassed, right? Also, another thing you can do to kind of stamp it out is ask for explanation. Like, why did you say that? Like, what made made you think it was cool to say what you just said? What made you think this was an environment conducive to what just came out of your mouth? Because the thing is, is like, like I said, people who purposely say these type of things, they're trying to get a rise out of somebody. They're trying to be that guy. Like, they're trying to be the push button, push the envelope type of person, right? But even still, it's unacceptable in the workplace. Like, you should really not have that going on, okay? So... Uh, ask for an explanation if you feel like somebody is saying something that, uh, that may be perceived sexy. And believe it or not, uh, sometimes if you ask for an explanation, they explain it, and it wasn't really meant to be that, this, that, and the other, and you can genuinely feel that. But at the same time, that's a nice place to have a conversation, like to tell somebody how what they said can be perceived. Now, if it's a situation where it, you feel like there's a culture of this and it keeps going on and on, uh keep a log, keep a log, jot down every time this happens. Uh, it's one of those things where if we need to go to a supervisor or we need to go to HR or somebody, you know legal or the case may be, at the very least you have a you know a timeline and you know some instances that you can revert back to and that you can uh, share in order to substantiate what you're saying, right? Because unfortunately in this day and age, we have an issue to where uh, not just with sexual harassment, but with sexual assault, where women aren't believed, which is unfortunate. And so when you have a, you know, and, and the thing is, is it's, uh, it's one of those things where it's like when, it, when you have the, like this one instance or this one time that it comes up, it doesn't speak to a culture of that uh, being in place. But when you have a log, Right. And you jot it down and you document it, you know, time, place, what was said, how you felt, this, that, and the other. Just to give you an idea that speaks to a culture of gender insensitivity that speaks to a culture of, frankly, women not being accepted or valued or appreciated based on their merits. And so when you keep a log, this allows you to combat that idea that this is just a one-time thing and, you know, boys will be boys, which is not a, that's not an acceptable answer. Boys will be boys when it comes to sexual assault or sexism in the workplace. It's, it's unacceptable, plain and simple. It's just unacceptable. And then another thing you can do is, you know, go to a supervisor, somebody who, who has a direct bearing on the situation. Like if it's like the direct supervisor manager this, yet, and the other. Now, if it's a situation where your manager or the supervisor is doing these things, we might need to get HR involved and have like a three-way conference, you know, in order to uh, air frustrations, air what you've been seeing going on. Even if you're not the victim of the sexist remark or something like that, you can still bring those issues to light. Like, let's say it's a situation where somebody makes a remark and a, and a young lady is around, and you're offended for her. You can say something. You don't. She. You don't have to wait for her to say something in order for it to be said. Because it could be a situation where she feels intimidated to say something in the first place. This is that piece I was saying earlier about advocating for your fellow team member. You don't have to wait for her to say something. You can say something and you feel like it's offensive. Now, granted, you want to have uh, some responsibility because you don't want to, you know. Uh, take every single thing out of context, okay? But if you feel like there's a situation where somebody is being harassed or offended, especially in this day and age of the this rampant sexism that we have on in the workplace, in our businesses, say something. For God's sake, say something, okay? At the very least, it gets documented, it gets put into a file or whatever the case may be, but at the very least, it can help. Maybe not the young lady that, who was offended at the time, but young ladies who may be hired in the future. So here's my final take. Building a company culture is super important. You have to understand that within that culture, each piece matters, and you have to communicate that each piece matters. And when it comes to women, you have to understand that you can't just say what you want to say, do what you want to do. But more importantly, you need to understand that what they do matters. Their train of thought matters. How they see the world matters because that's true diversity in the workplace. True diversity is a situation where all ideas and advisement and and innovations come to the forefront, no matter where it comes from. So startup nation, entrepreneurs, understand that sexism is should not be tolerated. Understand that everybody brings value to your company. If you're able to remember that, then know that your company can do some really amazing things. So that's gonna conclude this episode of The Startup Life. I know we got a little heavy uh, with that one, but I thought it was really important with everything coming out uh, about you know workplace and uh, women being valued in a workplace and things of that nature. And also Startup Nation, if I've said something in this episode that has offended women, I deeply apologize. Understand that I understand that I have male privilege. And I understand that there's going to be things that, that may be said that, that I may offend, but I, it was never my intention to offend. So even if it's not my intention, I owe you an apology if I did. If you want to let us know what you think about the show or like the advertising our show, send us an email to the address in the show notes. Subscribe to The Startup Life as it can now be heard on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. Also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Owls LLC. And hey...